On this bonus episode of Creative Mind, we have a talk from Anthony Jones, the amazing concept art, illustrator, and mentor dropped by the Academy to offer up some advice to students about what it takes to start and then maintain a career in today's world of game design, concept art, and illustration. In a room packed full of students, we did our best to get you all we could from this great talk. The whole two and a half hour talk can be found on Academy of Arts YouTube page, along with some drawing tutorials that Anthony did as well. So check that out. And here we go. To start off, Anthony gives us a little bit of his background and what was his starting point. When I first started this career, because like the jobs I had before weren't that great, I might have always been in retail folding clothes if it paid well, because I just liked folding clothes and talking to people. Right? And then I realized that that's not like a real career, or at least I didn't think so for myself. And so then I took like another job. I became like a plumber. I was like a plumber's apprentice. And then that job was real crappy, literally <laughs> and figuratively. And I, uh, I pulled a dead cat out of like the toilet once. Yeah, it was really bad. Yeah, that was the same day I quit. And like, it kind of explains my creature designs too. You know, if you look at my monsters, I'm like still like, it traumatized me. <laughs> I'm like, gotta get it out somehow. Then I decided, you know, maybe I should try something else in my, my life. And so what ended up happening is I went to school, right? Because I wanted to, you know, work in video games. But when I went, I went as a programmer. But then I saw that there was like people drawing, you know? And I was like, that's way cooler. And so, uh, I mean, I was like, I draw sometimes, you know, I drew when I was a kid, I could do this, you know, I have crayons. And so, uh, but I saw what they were drawing and they weren't drawing anything extraordinary. So I wasn't so intimidating. Like they were like just drawing Dragon Ball Z characters. And I was like, I can trace, I can do that too. And, and then that's when I began my journey into this career. And what ended up happening was that I was gonna like fake it. You know, I was like, okay, I need to get over to the art program. The recruiter was like, hey, you know, you can't just join. Like, you're not an artist, you're like a programmer. And I was like, yeah, I know. So she told me I needed to like make a portfolio to apply. So I was like, okay, shoot. And so I just like, for like a whole like quarter or whole semester, like a whole term, whatever, I just was drawing every day. Every day was just drawing, just like filling up stacks, you know, stacks on stacks, dude, just drawing everywhere, you know? And then I went to my counselor with like this huge stack of drawings and I was like, I just threw it on her desk. And I was like, here you go, here's my portfolio. And she just looked at the first image. She's like, okay, yeah, I'll transfer you. And I was like, no, like, look at all these drawings. What are you talking about? Then I realized what I should have done like that day when she's like, you need to have a portfolio. I should have just stepped out, came back in. But then, you know, she let me switch over and then that's when I truly began. So I decided to just draw and draw and paint and paint. And again, my whole strategy was just to fake it. Like, I'll just trick people. They'll think that I'm actually good, but I'll just trick them. I'll just show them paintings and drawings that kind of look cool and hopefully they'll let me in. But then as the years went on, I recognized that I was actually getting good. Like I was able to like draw well consistently. And then I started getting jobs and then I started working and then I got like my first big studio job at Sony. And I was like, do they not know that I'm not that good? And I guess not. One of the questions that kept coming up in the talk was, how do you know when you're good? And Anthony has a great explanation for that. I didn't know. Like, even when I was at Sony, I thought I was a fraud, right? I was like, I don't think I belong here, you know? And so I was drawing a lot. I was drawing, like, again, first one in, last one out. Years later, I found out that uh, some of the artists were, like, super jealous of me because they thought, like, I was pumping out so much work. And I was like, I was pumping out so much work, 
because I was afraid of you guys, you know? I was trying to keep up. But they're like, no, dude, you're, like, raising the bar. So now we all had to draw, like, super, like, clean orthographics. We hated that. They let us die before just loose drawings. I was just trying to stay, like, amongst the crowd. Before I left Sony, I realized, I was like, wait a minute, no, like, people actually think I'm good, you know? And, and I said, maybe I am good. And so I started posting my work online, and then people were like, hey, you're good. And I was like, cool, validation. And then, and then more people started doing that, and more and more. And then I just started recognizing that there was a huge fan base for the kind of stuff that I drew. Then people started inviting me to like workshops, you know, and I started teaching. And I, was, I found that I was pretty good at that, you know. Well, I wasn't really good teaching, but I was just really good at talking. <laughs> and it sounded like I was teaching. But then I got better by teaching for years. I've been teaching for like seven or eight years now. So I got really good at it. But at the beginning, I was just, you know, I just was able to talk in front of people and kind of bring some relatability. And that was really helpful for a lot of people. But now I'm like, I can do that and I can teach you guys how to draw well. And that's what brings me out here. You know, I worked on all these different movies and projects. I'm working on my own stuff. Decided to learn how to program. Went back to my Asian roots. But like, I recognize that I actually have to like learn. The Asian's not going to kick in. Never going to kick in. And so I just got to that. actually learn math. And I've been doing that for about two years now. And now I'm like a legit programmer. So I'm like working with some of my friends because I know a lot of artists. And I'm like, hey, the problem we had in the past is that we didn't know a programmer. We know a programmer now, you know? Same thing that I did to get good at art. I just put time and effort. My approach to whenever I teach is there's this expression of like, if you give a person a fish, you feed them for a day. But if you teach a person how to fish, you feed them for a lifetime. My process is pretty simple. I spend a lot of my time and effort painting a lot. And so whenever I teach my students about art and getting good at it, you know, the thing that I always try to teach them is that, you know, you want to learn a lot of like foundational knowledge. You hear that a lot, right? Learn your foundations, your anatomy, perspective, your proportions, your forms. You're like, whatever, teacher, what do you know? But obviously, when you see a professional say it, you're like, yeah, of course, of course, <laughs> you know? I spend a lot of my time really perfecting the fundamentals. It's because it's really hard to draw things from your memory if there's nothing in there, right? If you don't know how to draw like something in perspective, why do you think you're just going to all of a sudden do it? The weird thing about us artists, what I've observed from artists in general, is that we, we treat art like you got to be good, like right out of the box, right? There's like something really weird about it. Like uh, I get st uh, students asking me, like, you know, every time I draw an arm, like it's really hard. Like it's like I feel like I could see it in my mind and every time I put it on paper, it just comes out like a mess or it's never consistent. Like, what do you do? How do you get better at that? I was like, well, I just draw a lot of arms. I like learn how to draw an arm. No, I've done that. And this like it doesn't work. And I was like, no, 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 no. You don't get it. You don't just do it a couple of times. And it's like, well, I did my work. Now I should be able to do it. It's like, you don't go to the gym. You lift up like 20 pounds. I lifted, I did, I held sore for that weekend, man. And then try to go lift 100 pounds. And expect, what the hell's happening? I just went and lift 20 pounds like five years ago. And now I can't lift it? No, if you know anything about like working out, right? You have to obviously go for long periods of time consistently. And so when, when they say, well, I see it in my head, I can see it clearly, I can do all this stuff, right? I'm like, no, you can't. You don't see it in your head. You're lying to yourself. It's an illusion of competence. You think you're dope, but if you were, you'd be able to just do it. And you can't. So just admit that, right? Just admit that you're not good. And once you can do that, then you can start to try to learn, right? And then they say, well, you know, whenever I study, it's really hard. And I'm like, yeah, okay, that's the point. Like, you're, you got to recognize... The reason why you're studying and practicing is so hard is because, again, you're not good at it. When it comes to art, I think what it is is we take it way too personal. 
We think that, like we've been taught in the Western society uh, or just cultures in general, that art is one of those things that you're born with. But I have kids and I see other kids. I feel like uh, drawing and being creative is actually a natural state, a human state, and it's beaten out of us with years of school. All my kids' friends and or my friends' kids and all their kids and all their friends are like, they're all drawing, they're all playing, they're all doing creative stuff. You know, they're learning about how Abraham Lincoln by like creating like diagrams with like popsicles and whatever, you know? That's like a beaten out of us. And so I think that we are all able to be really good artists. And most of us, most of you guys have just stuck with it. Well, maybe the other parents were like, no, you're not going to do that. You're going to be a doctor, you're going to be an engineer, you're going to be a scientist. Those are the only three jobs that exist, right? But if you know anything about education, like those are the three jobs that are usually like pushed on you when you're growing up. I know it was for me. I, again, I'm half Korean. My mom was like, you, you be doctor. Which, you know, I, I was thinking about it. You know, I do like helping people. But I don't like school, ironically, <laughs> now that I'm a teacher. So, you know, the fundamentals, man. And I wanted to like really preface why I say you should learn the fundamentals with everything I just said before about like, yeah, it's going to be boring, y'all. Yeah, it's going to be like sucky. Yeah, it's like annoying. Yeah, it's like hard. But that's the difference. That's what separates the winners and the losers. You know what I mean? Everybody in here is very, very capable to be on the winning side. But what about motivation? How do you stoke those fires of creativity? Anthony here has some great tips. Some days I'm not motivated. Some days I'm not inspired. It's super fickle. You know what I mean? So I tell people I do something else. I just am really patient and I'm very resilient. If this is like a video game, you put all your talent points in patience and resilience, not waiting for inspiration to strike or motivation. If you want to be a professional, you got to be a professional. You have to be coming in every day, be able to pump out really good work. Wouldn't that be strange if I was working with James Cameron? And James Cameron's like, all right, AJ, I want you to design like a character. And I'm like, all right, cool. But you know, Tuesdays, they're really hard. Cause like, I don't know, there's something about the sun. So I'll get you something when the sun hits the right angle and the butterflies land on my, my monitor. And then I can probably, the inspiration will then finally come to me. He's like, yeah, okay, you're fired. Because there's another artist that won't say that stuff, right? And so uh, patience and resilience. Well, patience is like, you know, gives you discipline. So if you take the same flame, yes, let's say you have like GDC, everything's inspiring, you go to a workshop, oh my God, I saw my favorite artists are talking and doing demos, I learned so much. And then again, the fire is going to go down because it just always will. But the base is always burning at a consistent rate. Tell me if this looks familiar. Like one day, like let's say you have to turn in your homework on the last day or something, right? So you're like on the first day, maybe you spend like two hours or one hour of work. You're like, well, it's all right, I'll just do it sometime later this week. Then later this week comes, you're like, oh, snaps going to spend like eight hours and really get it in, you know? This is very consistent. Don't worry, I do this as well. But so like, you know, you'll end up with like, let's say a total of 10, maybe nine, like nine to 10 hours of work that week, right? But if you were to do like, let's say three hours every day, like an hour and a half in the morning, hour and a half at night, right? That doesn't seem so hard, does it? Right? And if you just do that, you can obviously see where I'm going with this. You can potentially get up to 21, 15 to 21 hours. So even when you're not working like a really heavy workload on every day, but you're just consistently keeping that three-hour workload, you will actually do more work than if you try to rush it on the last two days. I had a student once, I was telling them this, because they actually had a full-time job already, right? And they were doing that. And I said, like, what are you doing, man? And then I told them, like, no, seriously, like in the morning before you go to work, spend like an hour. And then at night, when you get back home from work, before you go to bed, just do another hour. Like, just do two hours. And you'll be able to do the homework because she's already pretty good. And she's like, okay, I'll try it. 
And then the next class, not only did she do all the homework that I asked of her, it was like really good. And she like was super polished and well pushed. And she was like, dude, who knew? <laughs> you know, who knew that, that consistency is, because it was less stressful too. It wasn't even like it was harder, right? It was actually like, it brought her relief. Oh, she realized that she didn't have to like push so hard every day. You only need to do like a few hours a day. I promise you guys. It's just that you gotta put that time in, you know? In fact, I like to try to teach my students to try to stay between four to six hours a day. Try to learn how to work smarter. It's a better habit. You'll get to where I was, like where you just work too hard all the time. And that's actually bad. I think there's uh, diminishing effects at some point, right? Like again, if we're using the gym analogy, like if you go to the gym and you keep like lifting for hours, you're gonna rip your muscles apart. And that's what happened to me, like after like the four or five years of just really grinding. Because that's what I was taught, you know, and I realized it was wrong. Like I said, I learned programming. Well, I only did like two, three hours a day for two years. And I learned programming. And I just used like apps and I just go to websites and I just learned it. It just took time. So that's the patience part of it. The resilience is the part where you don't feel motivated anymore or you don't feel inspired. Maybe like one day, you know, something, you just got like a bad taste in your mouth or something. You just don't feel good that day. You're like, well, I still got to do it. Right? Or maybe your drawings are just all bad. Like everything you draw is really bad. You still should do it. For many students, you can get stuck in the rut of looking for the right school, the right tool, the, the right piece of software. But as Anthony explains, this is just a stumbling block to success because no matter where you study, it still takes motivation. But what kind of motivation? There are some people who tend to go to school with the wrong mindset. If I go to this school, that at the end of the school, I will get a job, all right? Like, it's just, that's just how it's supposed to work. It's like a video game, right? You go in, you come out, everything's going to be fine. As you guys probably already know, many people are experiencing the reality of this. When you show someone your piece of paper, that's great. You showed them that you are consistent, you stayed with something for a long period of time. That's actually pretty valuable. That has some value. But if your portfolio was like the minimum amount of effort, that's what they look at. They don't look at your pedigree. They look at your actual work. Because when you guys get a job, you have to walk in and start working. It's not like you walk in and they're going to teach you for like another year how to be like an <laughs> artist for them. No, like if you need to draw like orcs with like spikes coming out of their eyeballs, like you should already be knowing how to do that. If not better than some of the artists that already work there. I learned this firsthand. I like lost job opportunities to my teachers. Yeah, like imagine if you guys went to GDC, you applied for a job, and oh, we just hired a guy. Oh, his name is Anthony Jones. Like that can happen to all of you guys. So I'm literally your competition, right? And so take it very seriously. Your school is a resource. It's not a given, man. You're not gonna, you're not guaranteed anything. You got to earn it. And luckily, our industry is very merit based. So if you really have the chops and you really put your stuff out there, it, it will work out. It will. There's always going to be some studio. There's new always new studios coming up. There's big studios that have more expansion, so they're looking for more artists. It happens all the time. I don't know any single artist that was like, you know what, AJ, I just woke up, I applied to Blizzard, and it just worked out. It was like, oh yeah, well you had a portfolio? No, I never drew in my life, man, it was weird. I just applied, I just drew one thing, it was like a really good drawing, I just sent it over, and they're like, who, are, who is this artist? And then they hired me, now I'm the art director over there. There is nobody that's like that. Every single artist, and I know thousands of professionals, none of them have like an easy story. All of them work really hard. I was just talking to the guy the other day outside TV Choice workshop. He came from Morocco. They don't have an art program out there. He just hustled, dude. All of his friends are now hustling and it's a great story. There has been some good research 
that shows that when you really push people, there is a drop-off, significant drop-off. And as a teacher myself, my goal, I feel like, is if I can get the person who is the type of person who would drop off to not drop off, then I'm like a dope teacher. You know what I mean? Because it's easy to teach the people that are already like passionate. Those guys are really, those people are really easy to teach because they're already there. They're already, yeah, yes, let's do it, boss. You know, whatever you say. I had a student once. I was pretty strict with her. I was like, you got to like work on your anatomy. Like your anatomy is garbage. And she was just like, no, it's not. Like I study, you know, this and that. Very, really like, you know, defiant, very um, talking back in a way that I felt was really disrespectful. And I was telling her, I was like, listen, man, like the unfortunate truth is I can see your work. You can't hide it from me. I can see that you don't know how to do your anatomy, you know. I'm trying to help you out. Like if you work on it, you will get better. And I said, you should study like however you can. And she was like, well, I'll only study when it's like real life and whatever. And I'm like, no, I mean, that is like a great tool, but that shouldn't be the only one. You should look at photos. You should go online. You should get some books. And she's like, no, only real life. That's the only way. Why are you putting like chains on your growth for it? There's no reason for it. And then she, she dropped out of my class, right? Because it was like a, like a good like 20 minute exchange. Like, uh, it was like short from uh, like yelling almost, you know? I was like pretty upset. And she dropped off. And I always think about that because she actually was pretty good. She was a good artist. She just needed to work on her anatomy. And I think to myself, what could I have said differently to tell her that she needed to work on her anatomy? Because all she needed to do was to do that. And then she would have improved and build that confidence, and been uh, less defiant, you know, she would have started to recognize the, the stuff that I, because I've taught students where I was really harsh with them, and really strict, uh, very resilient, but they didn't stop, right, and they would keep working, and then one day, they're like, oh, shoot, I see what you're saying now, you know, and they, when that happens, then the paradigm shifts, like, their whole perspective of all my advice changes, and now they, like, take it very seriously, and so I think about her, for instance, and I think, I needed to get her to that point, you know, where she started, she could trust that I'm on her, I'm on her team, you know, I'm not fighting her, I'm trying to help her, you know, so no, you're not wrong, man, there's definitely, like, pushback to, like, doing a lot of work, because what it tends to do is it makes people realize that they're really bad, <laughs> you know, and nobody wants to know that they're bad. I used to think I was dope all the time, and I think that was, like, <laughs> that was, like, a blessing, even though I was really bad, because I was, like, super arrogant all the time, I was, like, my work's super good, I remember, like, uh, I had like a really like really crappy drawing of like an orc. It was like, you know, I had like the very bare bones. Like I had like one of those things, those five star things you go get for like back to school. And I was like, all right, this is my portfolio, dude. Like hole punched it. And I had like six or seven pieces like this. And I was so proud. I was like, man, my work's so good. And then um, I went, it was a Noman workshop and they were doing portfolio reviews. And I was waiting in line. I was like, oh, when they see my work, they're going to like, this guy's exceptional. And then there was a guy in front of me who had like a steel portfolio, it was like a freaking like 20 by 80 feet <laughs> like portfolio. And he like opened up, it was like a holographic like imagery of all his concepts, you know. It was like this really amazing portfolio, right? Uh, obviously it wasn't that intense. It was just like a normal like 11 by 17 portfolio and a nice steel binding. But it was like all printed on nice matte paper. It was made for showing portfolios. His portfolio pieces like each page would be like this beautiful array of like concept iterations. He had like a little story about his thought process. He had all this stuff. And because it was like a, it would open up like that, like he would have then the final image, whatever it was. So it was like doubling down. Like it was like a really amazing presentation. And it was just like page after page of this. I remember like thinking to myself, wait a minute, I'm not good. Wait a minute. 
I've been sold a bill of lies, man. I thought my work was good because my teachers were just letting me pass classes with this type of stuff. And I was like, this is nowhere near where I need to be. But like, my point is, is that I didn't take it as I should give up. It was more like I had the wrong standards. My standards were wrong. My standards were like way down here. And I, to that measure, I was really confident. My standards needed to be like, I can't, I'm not tall enough, <laughs> you know? And so that changed. And so I think there's an adverse reaction to doing a lot of work because of this specific reason. Like people are very self-conscious. You know, they get defensive because you put a lot of time and effort and you don't want to be, you you be told that you're actually bad, indirectly or directly. But sometimes you need to be told that you're really bad. So let's take a quick break and let me ask you this question. Are you looking for the right school to get in-demand skills in creative industries? You are invited to our upcoming interactive online open house, where you can learn about our over 40 art and design programs, admissions, financial aid, campus life, and more. Our admissions team will also be available via online chat throughout the event to answer whatever questions you may have. RSVP today at academyart.edu slash podcast. Of course, the number one thing all of us artists deal with is our distractions. Anything can cause us not to sit down and do the work, as Anthony explains. I used to be really distracted easily as well because your brain is really good. It's like, listen, dude, we'll do it tomorrow. It's not going to be a problem. Like, you got plenty of time tomorrow. You know, once you wake up, you'll, you just right away, you'll just start doing it. And then you don't wake up, right? And you're like, oh, okay, well, I'll wait till after lunch. I need to get some food, get the day started. And then the day gets started, and then you're like, oh, man, I'm feeling tired. I didn't sleep too well last night, you know? You see what's happening there? Your brain is against you, man, <laughs> you know? And it's not. It's like an like overbearing parent. You know, when your, my mom calls me when I first started becoming an artist, and she's like, are you sure you want to do this art stuff, you know? She didn't really believe in me, but it wasn't like she was trying to, like, hurt me. She just wanted me to succeed, you know? And she's like, art is not, like, a career, you know what I mean? But I had to teach her that it was, you know, I had to show her like some of my first paychecks and she's like, what? Oh, okay, never mind. But you see the point I'm making is that a lot of times our brain is doing that. It's on our team, but it's like looking out for us. But sometimes we need to like convince it. Now, this is one of those things that we got to do, brain. Got to figure it out. And the more you do that, the more you have this kind of like inner conversation with yourself, the more you start to convince yourself. Let's just draw for like five minutes. Can I at least do like five minutes? Because sometimes that's enough. Like you'll just get started. I can do like another 10 minutes. It's not a big deal. And then you do like another 10 minutes and then you're like, ah, let's just go for a whole hour. I don't have to do anything. So you got in the hour that you wouldn't have got in anyways, right? But like you started with like that first bite and you're like, oh yeah, let's get moving, you know, like this thing. And that's kind of the point I'm trying to make is that a lot of times people just don't want to get started. They don't want to do these, like they're really afraid of challenge. And so when your sketches are really good and you don't know how to draw them well, like after the fact, it's because you haven't challenged yourself enough. You need to try to finish more paintings because you are bad at it. That's why you should do it more. And that's not why you should do it less. In fact, you should always think that like if something is hard, but you want to do it, like I want to be really good at painting or I want to be really good at 3D or I want to be really good at programming, whatever it may be. When it's really hard, but you've told yourself that this is what I really want to do though then you should keep doing it regardless. And I learned that I wanted to be a character artist. Like all throughout school when I went to AI, they were like, yeah, but it's really hard to be a character artist. And I was like, that's not advice. You're just like <laughs> pointing out a fact. I, I didn't ask if it was art. I, I accept that it's gonna be challenging. What I'm asking is like, how should I go about it? How should I get better? Oh, well, you just don't do it and just do 3D. And I'm like, wait, what? 
Yeah, just don't, don't do it because it's too hard. You know, the chances of you becoming a character concept artist are pretty slim. And I'm like, well, okay, but some people do it, right? Like, how slim are we talking here, right? Is it like a lottery system? I volunteer, you know, and then you can be a part of the, the concept art league, you know? Which is obvious, obviously not true. You just got to apply for jobs and consistently do so. And so, obviously, none of those people's advice helped. So I kept on looking into it myself. I would, like, steal, like, Nomen DVDs and watch all these videos, tutorials and stuff. I would go to workshops a lot, listen to people that were better than me, tell me why I sucked. And I says, I think you're right. Because when I look at your work, it makes me my mind sing. And when I look at my work, I want to vomit. So I think you know what you're talking about. And so I trust you. I remember like when I got a review from Scott Robertson, for instance, and he was like, oh, yeah, your materials are garbage. Like You need to work on your material indication. Okay, I guess I'll do that. And then I went home, and that's all I did for like a month. And he was right. Who knew? Badass Scott Robertson knew what he was talking about. So I got really good at like listening to people. I started getting really good at taking feedback because I used to not be good at it. Uh, but then I recognized that, wait, you know, people are giving me advice. I should take it. The way that I look at it is like, you know, people are giving me their two cents, even if it's, sometimes it's like a dollar, sometimes a hundred bucks. But even if it's two cents, I'm two cents richer. And that's hard, man. It's hard to swallow like, when tell, someone like really talks about your work in a really negative way. Obviously, there's a difference if it's like real like, you suck. And that's, that's not constructive. But if they like say something that you might not agree with at the moment, but then when you leave, uh, maybe they're right. You know, let me try. And in my experience, 90% of the time, those people were right. Even people who weren't like really good artists, their feedback was still really useful. I was like super arrogant. I still am sometimes, right? But like when I am confronted with the facts, you know, it's really hard for me to deny it, you know? And the fact was I sucked, and so I needed to get better at it. With that, now comes the next step in your growth as a professional artist. Feedback. And Anthony has this to say about its benefits. When I got feedback, especially from those people who had some really validity, especially that's when I started realizing the value of feedback. And to your point, what it taught me to do was to stop thinking like default that I should already be good at something if I have no training in it. Um, that's something that I think a lot of people have struggles with. Even though like on their conscious mind, they know this is to be true. When you see the way that they act and behave, it's not true. It's, they're clearly going contradictory to what they know to be true. Yeah, I just got really good at just accepting that I'm not good at stuff. And that was like the revelation. It's kind of weird to think that you kind of have to tell yourself that you're not good, right? But I think, again, it's like a defense mechanism that we just have. Like, we just, all of us have it. It's like, there's no one really immune to this. Even, like, some of my closest friends, like, they'll, like, talk to me about something. And then I, like, give them some feedback. And they know that I'm, like, uh, this is what I do, you know? Like, I'm a professional character concept artist. And they're, like, working on characters. And I give them some feedback. And they're, like, whatever, dude. You don't know me. And they're, like, you're crying. And I'm, like, what? No, I'm just... Just, just do this thing. No, you don't, you don't get it. Uh, and these are also professional people who should know better. But it's not that aggressive. Eventually they come around and they're like, oh, you know what, I think you're right, you know? So even like professionals fall into this trap. It's not unique to students. I just think when you're really, really low level, like when you're lower down the totem pole, you're way more defensive, unjustly, you know? And that's the problem. I think it's just because, again, like I said earlier, people just don't want to admit they're not good at something. It's just not wired in us. It's not a default state. With that, Anthony explains, what are some tips to get better as a professional artist? Not just that one person who likes to draw a lot. This is like some professional advice. Uh, a lot of people 
tend to just do like one or two sketches and they're like, I'm the best. Like these sketches are the greatest works of art. They're gonna hang them in museums and I'm gonna be, you know, historic figure for the rest of my life. But the reality is that like, I'm a big fan of quantity. You know, you hear the uh, quality over quantity argument, meaning that your images should be high quality and forget, like don't try to pump out just a ton of work. I'm in the camp of like, you should every once in a while focus on like a quality image, but then in between you should do tons of drawings because you're training all the micro stuff that you should be practicing. And when you just throw away drawings, it allows you to feel more free when you're in this space, which is like painting and designing. Uh, because if you're always in a situation when you're like going full speed every painting, it gets really stressful and it's actually slower to learn. I learned how to draw fast and paint fast because I had a teacher once tell me, he says, you know, if you want to work in this industry, you either got to be fast or you got to be good. And I was like, well, what happens if you're both? He's like, not possible. Challenge accepted. Yeah, he was definitely wrong. You definitely be, do both. It wasn't like I took it seriously right after that. It's just that I saw a painter do it. And I was like, oh, it's totally possible, man. The artist was named uh, Steve Houston. He's a traditional painter. A great story is that he was trying to, um, or he was doing a demo, and during the demo, a lot of what was going on was just him talking about his career. He wasn't even demoing anything. He was just talking a lot about like how dope he was and like all the famous people he's met. And it was cool. It was actually really cool, and it was very inspiring to hear him talk about that stuff. But he wasn't demonstrating, and you know, people were promised a demo. And so eventually, you know, me and my friends, because we were helping host the event for my uh, life drawing instructor, we went up to our instructor and we're like, "Look, man, like we only have 30 minutes left in the class, and he hasn't he hasn't done anything. You know, just talk." And I feel like people might get upset. And he was like, oh, man, you're right. Okay. So he went up to him. He stopped him, like, in the middle of, like, telling another story about him being in Paris or something. And then um, Steve Houston's like, oh, yeah, of course, of course, of course. He puts the presentation away. He pulls out his easel. He gets his paint set up. And mind you, like, 30 minutes le is left. And this process itself is, like, taking, like, 15 minutes. And then he looks to the audience right before he starts to paint. And he says, I'm the fastest painter you'll ever see. And then, bam, just starts painting. And I'm like, what? What's going on? And like, he started painting this masterpiece. Like, every stroke, he's like, do, 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 arm. Do, 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 another arm. Do, do, do. Like, and I was like, what is happening? You blink, there's a head. You blink again, it's like he's on another painting. What? No. And he did it traditionally. He's really quick, man. And it made me realize that I, um, I need to learn how to do that. And I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to be really good at that. But he's been doing it for decades, you know? This guy uh, is a legend. But he was the one that introduced me to the idea that it's totally possible to be really good and fast. Uh, there was a point where I was getting really good at drawing orcs. Like, I was painting them more accurately, and they were, like, really, like, more convincing. But they were still just, like, wearing loincloths. But now it's, like, rendered, you know what I mean? And so then I went to a, a Blizzard mixer, and I brought my portfolio, and I was showing it to a um, recruiter. Uh, I think it was like an art director of some sort. And I showed him my work. He looked through it. He's like, wow, these are really cool paintings. And I was like, oh, thanks, man. I was like, I'm, I'm in. I'm going to get this job today. And he's like, these are really cool paintings, but, you know, you don't really have any good designs. I was like, what do you mean, you know? And he said, well, like, when I look at this, it's just like an orc. When I look at this, it's just a mountain. Your environment is just a mountain. I can look outside. I can see a mountain. What value do you have? And I was like, what? And he's like, you got to think of it like this, dude. When you do concept art, it's for other artists to look at, for game designers to look at, programmers, marketing people. 
they're going to look at this. They're going to want to make it. You got to have to inspire people that these ideas are cool enough to make. That's what concept artists are supposed to help do. We're supposed to help create the vision of the project. You know what I mean? And he said, everything you have in here is, there's no vision. You're just drawing stuff that kind of already exists, and it's not even that interesting, even the stuff you picked. And when he told me that, I was like, oh man. Like, especially the part where my work has to inspire other artists, that part like really hit me. And I was like, yeah. Because every time I look at my favorite concept artists, that's what they had. Like, I would look at their work, and I'd be like, dang, dude, that's so cool. I realized my work was not doing the dang dude, <laughs> you know? Not at all. Because I, then I looked at it, and I was like, I don't feel that way at all. Again, I was focused on my effort, because I put a lot of effort into it. And I felt like that effort has value that should get me a job. But the reality is, no, my effort... It's just getting me better, uh, but my work won't get me a job yet. Like, it has to be good. As you start to build your portfolio and show it to get work, and then you get your work, one thing becomes very clear. You really aren't a solo artist. You're not just one person drawing. You're a collaborator, and you need to learn how to work with people. And Anthony has some great examples of how to start to see the collaboration in other people's work, and then later, how to work with a team. Because really, you're going to be working with a team. And by the way, whenever you start to work, because you see a lot of stuff online, like, like on ArtStation, whatever, of just like amazing work, the, that work's always kind of a lie. And I don't mean that it's like a lie, like those artists didn't do it. No, those artists definitely, most of the artists there definitely did their work. What I mean by this a lie, because usually the biggest and best like portfolio pieces were usually a collaboration. You know, there was a lot of feedback back and forth. It wasn't like they just had that idea the first go. And and it's it, that's why I'm saying it's a lie. Like even when I show like in my pro section, I try to show like all of the sketches I've done, and I say try loosely. I don't show all of it because some of them aren't very good sketches. Some sketches were just deliberately to help get the direction in the right direction. You know. So it's more of like, I'm just going to do this quick drawing. They're going to look at it and then give me feedback. And then from that drawing, I'm going to try to work from painting some cool stuff. You know what I mean? A lot of times what people see online is, because whenever people do their, their portfolio, like stud, young students and stuff, they're like, dang it, like nothing looks nearly as good as some of these masters. Yeah. They feel like every drawing that these artists do is amazing. And it's not always true. There's, there's definitely rough sketches. I've seen them from these really premier artists. But they ultimately, we all get to like that really nice concept that we put on our station. And like, look how dope we are. But again, it's like a, a collaboration usually. All of the personal work I do is definitely just my mind. That's why it's not nearly as good. <laughs> I want to make sure that people understand that. I really am a big fan of doing a lot of work though. You're going to have art director. They're going to make you draw a thing like thousands of times. And, and that's just how the industry works, right? I actually have run into a different problem, a problem I never expected was going to happen, where people will hire me to do freelance, right? Because I have like a very specific kind of way I draw, and so there's like, like I'll do like, like these monsters. So there's these uh, the Love, Death, and Robots shorts. Like I worked on one of those shorts, right? And this team hired me to work on uh, one of the things in the, that uh, show, and I only worked on it for like a month. And it was really quick turnaround. And I'm like, this is strange because usually it takes like longer. One time I was working with a client, or hey, we want you to like draw like some sort of tumor monster for a horror game. And I'm like, all right, I can do that for you. 
So I did like a couple sketches and they're like, all right, we're good. And I was like, wait, what? They're, no, we're good here. See, see you later, dude. And I'm like, but I want to keep working. Because even though, because like, I have like a pretty high uh, day rate, I need to work at least four or five days to kind of like pay the rent type of thing. You know, if I only work one day and I don't hear from anyone else for like a month, you know, it's like, what the, you know? And so I'm like, okay, I need to like come up with a new system. But that's because, you know, they literally found my stuff on ArtStation. They have like a game that's like, this is going to be perfect. We're just going to pay him to draw one for us. You know, it's like a really glorified like commission. <laughs> so it's really strange. It's only been happening to me to like last year. Right. And I'm trying to find, I'm trying to figure out like a way around that. Uh, one one way that I thought about it, one of my friends was telling me is like you should do like a project fee, like to work on your project, it's going to cost like a certain amount of money. I don't know. I feel weird about that, you know, still. But maybe like you know, give me another five years when I'm like really like I, I do have that epic white beard. And I look like I should be saying stuff like that, then I'll do it. But I, I don't know. It just still feels weird to be like really demanding of a lot of money, you know. But it, it is professional. Like, I am a experience. Like, even if it takes me only, like, 15 minutes to draw a thing, whatever, you're paying for my experience. You're not paying for my time at that moment. When I worked for Insomniac, I worked with them for a little bit. That one was for, like, a few months. That was great. And we worked on a lot of different designs. It was great. Each design was, like, done in a week. Again, they found my work. They're like, yeah, yeah this is perfect for a horror game. And I'm like, cool. And then they're like, all right, you're going to do this drawing. And I'm like, all right, cool. And I draw it. And they're like, the guy who was in charge is like, that one render it and do orthographics and I was like got it and then I'll just do it and right, here's the next one and I'm like here's my drawings I'm like that one give us the orthographics and render it and I'm like okay and then it was it was just real strange but you know when I see like the new Spider-Man game they made and like all the other like projects that they worked on like how really polished they are it's very clear they're really good game developers I think it's because they make those types of decisions like they really know what they want and that's very rare in our industry. It's really hard to find a client that knows exactly what the heck they're doing, you know? Uh, I worked with a client that's a really big studio, and I, I don't want to throw them under the bus because maybe they're going to pull out of this, <laughs> you know? But I was working with them for almost like a year, and it was all like always blue sky, right? I would work on a design, and they're like, that's great, man, that's great. And I'm like, cool, cool, cool. So you guys want me to start refining that? They're like, no, 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 you know what? Let's try it again. But now let's make it futuristic. And I'm like, wait, what? We decided we're going to completely change our direction and all that stuff. And I'm like, okay, whatever, you know. And like I said, like, they're a really good studio, so maybe that's just how they roll, right? Who am I to judge? I, I might be sorely mistaken about the process, like years from now when they release their game and it's this freaking really cool idea and really changes the game, you know. And then there's a good chance that might happen because the other projects that they've done have done that. But it was just really the opposite of Insomniac Games. I don't know if I actually did any real concept for them. <laughs> you know, like I don't know if they're going to use anything that I did. And it's really bizarre that that happens. But it, it could be fuel because when I was working with them, they were showing other artwork that was done like a year ago. And I was like, whoa, man, this is really bizarre. You know? But I just do it because it's, it was still fun. But I get real scared uh, whenever I work on projects that are like super floaty like that. With all that great advice, it's always good to get a sneak peek into what any artist has planned. Because being an artist, of course, is a lifelong pursuit. And to wrap it up, Anthony turned us on to some of his future plans. I'm like thinking about doing a graphic novel, you know? And I started like practicing doing some images. And uh, some of the images, uh, I was doing the environments. I recognized I had to like draw environments. And I was like, wait a minute, I'm really bad at drawing environments. And so I bought like a sketchbook 
And my goal is to try to fill out two or three sketchbooks in the next few months. And specifically, I'm going to only draw like three-dimensional surfaces and like environment type stuff so I can practice my perspective. And like, I feel the page. Like I don't show this to anybody. This is not, I'm not making a new art book of like bad drawings. Like I'm just drawing all the time the very thing and I'm practicing very specific stuff constantly. And then when I feel like I learned something, I practice it on the next page at least once or twice. So I, it sticks. I think teaching is something I might always do, right? I might become like a game developer one day, right? Making like cool games that people like. But I'll start teaching people how to do that. You know what I mean? My bucket list is, I don't have one, right? I'm like, I'm pretty happy. It's, it's just like, okay, well, I just want to be sustainable so I can just have more time. It's not like a, a success thing anymore. It's more like, I just don't want to always have to work. I want like more time to do, like learn stuff. I like to think like five years ahead now okay. instead of like too far, because life happens, man. You never know, you know? And so, so I'm keeping my options open, right? So we'll see what's up. So there you have it. Some great advice from a working concept artist, illustrator, and mentor. And again, head over to the YouTube page to watch the full video and watch some of Anthony's really useful tutorials. Because if you've ever dreamed about a career in art and design, you need to know that more and more art and design opportunities are actually on the rise. And employers are on the hunt for the next generation of talented and, of course, skilled creative professionals. At Academy of Art University, you will get the work-ready skills that employers want. You can study on-site in downtown San Francisco, and of course, as always, anywhere in the world with our online programs. To request info about our 40-plus areas of study in art and design, including game development, fashion design, photography, UX design, and more, just visit our website at academyart.edu slash creativemind. Don't forget to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode of the Creative Mind Podcast. Thanks for listening.